Your motherhood probably looks completely different than mine, but I bet we have one thing in common if you're a mother too. I bet you have days where you feel really down in the dumps about how good of a mother you are or you feel you are that day. It happens to me and I bet it happens to you. So today I'm sharing my go-to talk when the cloud of comparison starts to creep into my calling as a mother. Whenever I feel like I'm not measuring up to whatever standard I think others may have for me as a mother, whenever I catch myself thinking I'm not doing a good job because someone else is doing it better, these are the things I do to help get my mindset back on track and my vision clear and really see motherhood the way I believe God would have me see. All right, well, this is Neil here chiming in. I thought it would be fun to sneak this little section into the podcast episode this week talking about mothers. So I actually interviewed a couple of my kids and I was going to have them say a few things or answer a few questions about about Corinne. So I thought this would be kind of funny to, to slip into the first of this episode. So here you go. All right, Lila. Lila's got a case of the giggles. Okay, Lila Bear. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question about Mama. What is something that Mama likes to do? She likes to do podcasts. Okay. She likes to try on new clothes. What is, what do you think Mama's favorite thing is to do for fun? Put on makeup. Put on makeup. Okay. What is something that you love about Mama? That she lets me try stuff. She lets you try stuff? Like, like activities? being in our podcasts and like stuff. Like being on our, bike, our podcast today? Mm-hmm. So what would you want to say to Mama for Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mommy. I hope you have a good Mother's Day. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, thanks, Lila Bear. Okay, hi, Annabelle. Hey, Daddy. You're saying hi. Can you say hello, everyone? Hey, everyone. So tell me a little bit about mom. I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? All so, right, got it. Um, what is one of your favorite things about mom? Hmm. I know that mommy, she's very good at getting her work done fastly, and she always has time to play with us. Oh, that's so nice. I love it. Thanks, Daddy. Um, <clears throat> what do you think if mama had to eat a certain food for the rest of her life? What food do you think she would pick? Um, Let's see. Pancakes or maybe sushi. Sushi. Okay. That's a good one. On vacation, what do you think mom's favorite thing is to do? Hmm. I'd say go on a trip with all of us. Um, Where do you think she'd want to go? I think she'd go to Hawaii. If you could give mom one present... In the entire world, anything, anything you want, what would you give her? Hmm. I'd probably give her a free pass to go to Disneyland. A free pass to go to Disneyland. Yes. Which hmm. rides do you think she would want to go on? Mom says that her original favorite is Space Mountain. Space Mountain. Okay. Yeah. 
What is something, uh, one of your favorite memories about mom so far? Hmm. Well, I remember one day when we were really young, um, it was raining outside once, so we got our umbrellas and we hopped in the puddles with mommy and it was really fun. And then once we went inside, we ate hot chocolate. Oh, that's so fun. On a rainy day, you went and jumped yeah. in the puddles? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, what would you want to say to mom for Mother's Day? What message do, would you, do you want to say? I'd say she's a really good mom, very helpful, and she is very caring, and I love her. Oh, that's so nice. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, Annabelle. All right. Mother's Day is coming up. It's going to be just a few days after this podcast. Well, this will go live on the 2nd, and then Mother's Day is Sunday the 8th. So Mother's Day is just right around the corner. And I thought it would be fun in preparation for Mother's Day to share one of my very favorite talks and then just speak about this topic. And the talk is Baskets and Bottles. It was given by Sister Okazaki, Chiko Okazaki, in April 1996. And I love her. I love the way that she speaks. And I just really loved her as a leader in our church. I still remember her speaking as a leader, a female leader in our church when I was this. So I was 12 years old when she gave this talk. And I don't remember the talk specifically, but I definitely remember her. And as I've become a mother and into motherhood, I I can't remember where I stumbled upon this. I think I discovered it when I was reading the book At the Pulpit, which is um, 185 years of discourses by Latter-day Saint women. So just female leaders in our church who have given incredible talks over the years. It's just a collection of some of the greatest hits, if you will. And Baskets and Bottles is one of my favorite talks. And this is my go-to talk whenever I feel myself questioning my motherhood specifically if I catch myself comparing myself to another mother or if someone says something that causes me to feel small or feel like inadequate or maybe I'm not doing a good job as a mother because my motherhood doesn't look the way her motherhood looks. This is my go-to talk. And so I'll just start out with this really wonderful quotation that she gives. The doctrines of the gospel are indispensable. They are essential, but the packaging is optional. Let me share a simple example to show you the difference between the doctrines of the church and the cultural packaging. Here is a bottle of Utah peaches prepared by a Utah homemaker to feed her family during a snowy season. Hawaiian homemakers don't bottle fruit. They pick enough fruit for a few days and store it in baskets like this for their families. This basket contains a mango, bananas, a pineapple, and a papaya. I bought these fruits in a supermarket in Salt Lake City, but they might have been picked by a Polynesian homemaker to feed her family in a climate where fruit ripens all year round. The baskets and the bottles are different containers, but the content is the same, fruit for a family. Is the bottle right and the basket wrong? No, they are both right. They are containers appropriate to the culture and the needs of the people, and they are both appropriate for the content they carry, which is the fruit. I love this analogy. I just think it's so cool to think about how you've got a mother in Utah in snowy winter. You've got a mother in Hawaii, like I'm picturing your grandma, and they're both providing their family fruit 
just two different ways. And there's not one way that's better than the other or right or wrong. It just is appropriate for the culture and for that family's needs, where they live, what their situation is. I just think it is so cool. No, I think that's awesome. Uh, one, because, yeah, my grandma was um, Polynesian and lived in Hawaii and lived and died in Hawaii and grew up in Samoa. And so they lived on a banana plantation. And so my grandma was pretty involved in that. I mean, it was like a long time ago they, where she rode a horse. But my dad would always tell these stories of her, you know, people coming to the banana plantation and asking for um, for food. They're like, we're hungry. You know, our family needs food. And she would just say, okay, like go up into the banana plantation and cut down. You know, we'll take whatever you need, take however much you want. Yeah, motherhood looked probably for my grandma a lot different than it did for a lot of maybe other people's grandparents. And so I love that analogy because it, one, because my grandma and my dad and his family grew up part of the time on a banana plantation. And that was kind of, my my grandma was a tough Polynesian grandma. Mm-hmm. And so I think that- A hard worker. Really, really hard worker up until, you know, she couldn't work anymore. Yeah. I think it's so interesting to recognize that before the Industrial Revolution, all families worked together. It was just like a family deal. You had a farm or you had your trade or you had whatever you did, and it was just kind of a pitch-in effort, and everyone worked. So fast forward now into the 21st century, and we are all hyper aware of what everyone else is doing, what their motherhood looks like, what they're feeding their babies, how they're feeding their babies, what their kids are involved in with sports, how accomplished they are, what their home looks like, what their meals look like. You can just see everything now because of social media where, you know, in my mom's era of raising kids, it was like magazines were kind of the the inspo, <laughs> how you, you know, connected to whatever was trending in the world. That's how moms saw pictures of things that were inspirational or whatever, but, and, you know, news and movies and media in that way, but not social media where you could literally look into so many different people's lives and exactly all the, you know, little details of how they're doing everything on, you know, people's highlight reels. Usually it's a highlight reel of pretty things, which we can get to in a minute, which I don't think is necessarily evil, like a lot of people spin that to be. But I do think that the comparison is very easy to get sucked into and then think, well, gosh, I'm bottling fruit for my kids But Sally over there is picking fruit and putting it in a basket every two days from Trader Joe's. Like maybe I should be doing that. She's better. Maybe Sally. Maybe I shouldn't be getting canned peaches from Costco. Here's a few things I have learned along the way. Not that I have this figured out. Obviously, I don't. There's a lot to learn. But number one, if you worry more about what Heavenly Father thinks of your motherhood than what other people think, you're gonna get it right. And if you're more worried about what other people think than what God thinks, then you're always going to feel inadequate. You're always going to feel like you don't measure up and that someone else is better and that you aren't doing enough and that you're failing. I mean, that's how I feel when I start to look through that lens. But when I look through the lens of what does God think of this, things get really clear really fast. So 
I'm thinking of a situation where Neil and I were both working from home. You had just started working from home. I was working from home. I was working full-time on the blog. You were running our doTERRA business. And it was like, we would just try to trade off. And at that point, we only had Annabelle. And no, we had Lila too. We had Lila too when this happened. Um, Lila was a newborn. She was like four months old. And then Annie was a little over two. And I remember we, so we had pulled off the like, hey, you take the kids or hey, I'll take the kids. And we had just kind of like done that dance for quite a while. And there was a day where I had something like a deadline and then you had a call and it was like, neither of us were available to play with Annabelle or watch her or whatever. So we were like, well, I guess what we just do what we keep doing in a pinch. We turned on a movie and, you know, put her in front of a movie, which works. And ironically, our kids are watching a movie right now. But at the time, that was kind of like our go-to in a pinch. So we turned on a movie and then I sat down to finish this deadline that had to be turned in before 5 p.m. Pacific time. And I tried to focus on it and I looked over and there was just something about this like guilt that was just like a pit in my stomach watching Annie just be, you know, entertained by the TV once again. And in that moment, I knew that what was holding me back from bringing in help for, you know, childcare for our kids for enough hours for us to work was my pride, was what will people think of me as a mother if I have to have help, if someone else is helping with our kids, if we have a babysitter, if we have a nanny, or if we put our kids in daycare or whatever the case may be. And I realized that what was holding me back was my pride as a mother and what looked good to the world. And in my very favorite talk, Beware of Pride, this is what President Benson says about that. When pride has a hold on our hearts, we lose our independence of the world and deliver our freedoms to the bondage of men's judgment. The reasoning of men overrides the revelations of God and the proud let go of the iron rod. And you and I have gone this whole time raising kids and our careers by revelation and just tried to follow the spirit and tried to follow what God has led us to do. And I have had personal revelation and revelation in priesthood blessings, which is something we believe in in our church where we get like a special blessing from someone who holds the priesthood, which we believe is like the authority from God. And every time I've received a blessing, it has started out the same way, which is Heavenly Father, so pleased with you. Like I hear that in in blessings that come from different people who could never know. There's no way they could have known that that was a common theme. And that's something that I've received over and over. So I know that even though our situation looks different, where I work full-time and this was not something that we ever planned, that it's exactly what Heavenly Father planned. And this is exactly how He wants us to provide for our family and be able to have a positive influence in the world and at the same time provide fruit for our family. And it may be in a basket where other mothers around me deliver fruit to their family in bottles, but it doesn't make the fruit any different. And so what Sister Okazaki talks about in this is that when you're teaching your family these gospel principles and you're modeling those in your home and you're making those central to what your family believes 
and how you live your life, you are delivering that fruit. And it may be in a different packaging, but the fruit is what's the most important thing. And that's, so I think there's a couple of guiding principles here. For me, number one is to make sure that you are most concerned about the personal revelation you've received from Heavenly Father on how to be a mother and how how that looks. And if you're working, if you're not working, if your kids are in all day kindergarten or half day kindergarten or afternoon kindergarten, like there's just so many choices to make along the way as a mother. And if you're more worried about what Heavenly Father thinks and that you're doing what's right for your family, you're going to get it right. And if you're worried about what it looks like to the world or are my neighbors going to judge me or am I going to look like a good mom to everyone else, you're, it will never be enough. You will always fall short because the world's measuring stick is just, it's too high. It, you'll never get there. Yeah, I love that idea of looking to God to see kind of her validation on what you're doing and following his plan, because there's so many opposing voices and it's, you really can't win either way. It's either not enough for some people, too much for others. And there's always some type of a lack when it comes to the masses um, that you really can't please the masses. But, but I love that looking to God and understanding what his will is because everyone's, everyone's going to be different. Um, but he knows all and knows exactly what the needs of the family are and then how best for those to happen within the family unit. And so it's been cool to see that. The other thing I think is so important to focus on is bringing the fruits of the spirit into your home. So if it doesn't look like, you know, it's going to look different and in different phases of motherhood and your different kids' ages. I remember when I was a little bit older, we were getting up early and doing early, early morning scripture study and everybody was like rolling out of bed half asleep and, you know, reading scripture verses in our living room. But that definitely wasn't the case when we had little toddlers you know, in the home. And right now, what we can do is probably going to be very different than when our kids are teenagers. You know, right now it's like their attention span is so short and we have to do things in kind of small spurts, but they get it and they listen and they're involved. And, you know, we try to just talk about when we solve life's problems, we're talking about the gospel all the time too. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Heavenly Father. We're talking about praying to ask for help. And we talk about these things all of the time and then also try to model them. Like our kids see us praying, reading scriptures, going to the temple, going to church. And they know that this isn't just like something that we're saying, do as I say, not as I do. They know that these things are really important to us. And that's where I think if you really are, if you can make sure that the core of your home and what you're centering your teachings on is something really solid, teaching our kids things like gratitude and unity and loving others and things that will, values that will carry them through life no matter what your religious background is, even if you don't believe exactly as we do, if you're teaching your kids really solid principles and 
and modeling it too, not just speaking it to them, but showing them that these things are really important to you. That's the fruit. That's what Sister Okasaki is talking about is really bringing that fruit to your family and making that central to what they're learning and how they're learning it. I do want to say one thing about phases because I've had some hard phases of motherhood as everyone who's raised kids has. And I remember feeling really guilty that with a couple of our toddlers, I wasn't absolutely loving life when they were toddlers. Our later two toddlers have actually been much more delightful, but our first two toddlers, man, they were so challenging. In fact, I still remember when this lady who was like the nursery leader, so she taught, what's nursery, 18 months to three? 18 months to three. She taught like the nursery at church. And there was one time that I went to go pick up one of our kids and she was like, I just want you to know that this kid is really tough. And she was like, and I, I say that with so much love because I raised all NFL players and, you know, or all these football players. Some of them have gone to, to the NFL. They were, they were tough kids, but this little girl right here is, is tough. She's a handful. And I felt so validated. I just started crying, like weeping, crying, because I was like, someone finally understands just how hard this phase is. This was a kid who was like on her death wish 24-7, like diving off of things, breaking things, just very active and and just not easy, you know? And and those first two toddlers too, we would go to the beach and it was so stressful. We would get there and they would just take off. Do you remember that? They would just run yeah, in, in different directions. two different, different directions. directions. <laughs> and we would kind of look at each other like, okay, you go get her, I'll go get her. And our number three and four in our family have been totally different. And I don't know if it's just because they're, they've got older, more chilled out siblings to model after. But anyway, I just remember really struggling with a f- couple few of those years of toddlerhood and motherhood and feeling so guilty about it. And then I was, I think I was talking on Marco Polo with one of my very favorite young women leaders who actually she's been on the podcast, Laura Belknap. She was on a couple years ago talking when at the beginning of COVID when everyone was in a an education crisis and she's on the board of education in Utah. So She's very well-known and loved in Utah, especially in Bountiful, where I grew up. And we were talking once about motherhood and phases of motherhood. And I told her, I really didn't love the toddler years. They were so hard for me. And she was like, it's okay. I don't really love babies. And I was like, are you kidding me? I just ate up the baby phase, like just everything about like snuggling a newborn and even like waking up in the middle of the night. Not that I loved that part, but I just, it was like a small price to pay for that precious, precious, like year, year and a half of having an infant. Like I loved with all of our babies. I loved it so much. And she told me that she didn't. She was like, oh, once they can talk and walk and play and have fun, I'm all over it. But like a crying, pooping, you know, won't sleep newborn, not my favorite. So it's just really interesting that, you know, we 
as mothers have different experiences and we have different phases and areas that we shine and talents and gifts that maybe lend to one child's strength and then another one, you're learning a lot more. And it's not as easy of a drive where you just get them. And maybe that is your refiner's fire of becoming a better person and a better mother and a better human altogether by learning throughout these different personalities and different phases. And so that was very validating to me to hear her say, it's okay. I didn't love this phase of motherhood. It's okay that you didn't love this phase. And I cringe a little bit when people are like, oh, you just need to enjoy every, soak up every moment. Like just enjoy it. It goes so fast. I totally see that. And I'm sure that I always tell Neil when we go to Disneyland, someday we're going to be old and we're going to come here and cry about how our kids aren't little anymore because we just are still in that magical phase of our kids love Disneyland and they're little. And I do love that so much. But I don't agree with feeling like you need to love every moment of it because there's just moments that are not lovable <laughs> that are like some some of it just sucks like, i guess older when you're older you can laugh at it right I, right I, totally i remember going to your sister's wedding in utah and annabella's potty training oh and oh this is a memory for the a, books there was like a mess that we were dealing with in the back of a car it was dark and it was epic and corinne's uncle just comes up and starts laughing he oh, just uncle was, Brett was laughing it yeah because i and it he was because he he knew he's like he's been there done that and but it was at a point in life where he could look back and laugh and you know, in the moment, we're just kind of like funny. freaking out. Yeah. We're up in arms and, you know, it's like the end of the world. But yeah, in, in the moment, and I think when you're going through it, I, I, there are moments that it's like, I can think of a few of those. Well, especially when it feels kids. like Groundhog's Day and it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm going to wake up and do the same thing every day for this phase is never going it to feels end. feels like forever, like the rest of your life. Right, right. But then someone else said something to me really wise recently that, Everything, the good and the bad, everything is a face. And speaking of that memory, I also learned so much from trying to potty train our first child. I read some stupid book that told me that they're like on this. It was like a day. It was like day X of your child's life is the perfect day to start potty training. (laughs) It's so laughable now. Maybe not. Maybe it has worked perfectly for other people, but I read this book and it was like, if you do this and this and this and you follow this formula, your child will potty train within three days or six days or something like that. So I bought all the things. I threw away all the diapers. I was like, die hard committed. We are going to do this and we're going to do it perfectly. And that child took eight months to potty train, eight months of having accidents and me just being so like, no, we are doing this. We're not giving up. We're not buying diapers. I'm not giving in. And I just learned from that. I learned that I did that the hard way. I made it so difficult. I should have just said, okay, you know what? You're actually not ready for this. It doesn't matter that a book told me that this was the magic day that you needed to start potty training. We'll just wait. And so for my other, for the next two, it was almost like they had to beg me to potty train because I was like, no, it's okay. We'll wait. We'll wait till you're older. And I mean, Lila potty trained in two days. And she was basically begging. And I was like, oh, are you sure you're ready? And then Millie, same thing. Millie just went into the bathroom one day and just like took off her diaper herself and went to the bathroom. Body. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. I guess we're actually ready for this. And same thing with her. It was like she got it within 24 hours. And so I think you learn things like that too, where, where you learn to relax and let kids be who they are. And that's a whole other podcast for another day. But my point in bringing that up is that you've got to give yourself grace too when you look back and you see things that you wish you wouldn't have done as a mother or you wish you would have done differently. Because I take a lot of comfort in this, that Heavenly Father knew how imperfect you were and that you're still learning too. And he still entrusted you with parenthood. He still sent these special spirits to your home. It was not by accident. It was part of the divine plan to send spirits down to the earth in bodies to families with imperfect parents who were still just trying to figure it out. That's all part of the plan. It's not an accident. It's not an oops, we sent we oops, sorry, Annabelle Stoko, we meant to send you to perfect parents. You you wound up with these screw-ups. Like it, believe it or not, is part of Heavenly Father's plan for us to all kind of learn together and give each other grace. And so I think that's really, really important in evaluating your own motherhood. It's very tempting to look at other people and think they've got it all figured out or think they're just loving it and thriving when I think most of us are just barely getting by in a lot of ways and just doing our best. We're all just doing our best. Yeah. I think I love that concept of having like having more of an internal perspective on it. And that's what I love about the gospel in general or having faith in general is understanding there's a bigger picture and it's a really cool concept to look at it and know that God knows all and he understands strengths and weaknesses and can look at us and say, you know what, this is a perfect scenario for this family, for this person, for these people to be in this family unit together. And both both people are going to get what they need and, and have the opportunities that they need. Yeah, it's just a really cool thing how it works out. And, and it's definitely imperfect. And you hear a lot of times it doesn't look great or their backgrounds or situations that are very different or maybe the experiences were really different. But I do believe that God does have a plan for us, even in those situations and, and in different scenarios. But and if you are the kind of mom who's listening to this podcast because you are trying to better yourself, you need to just relax about how you're not perfect because you are the type of person listening to a podcast to try to better yourself. So you need to give yourself a lot of credit. I remember going to one of my first 12-step meetings and there was a mom who was sharing about how that past week she had detoxed and just put cereal and TV in front of her kid while she laid on a couch and detoxed for hours and hours and hours. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm not doing as bad as I think I am. You know, I just think that we get so obsessive about perfectionism and oh my gosh, I'm I'm not like, they don't know their ABCs yet or they don't like, it's, you know what? It's all going to work out okay. And yes, we always want to try a little harder to be a little better, like President Hinckley said. But also, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're the kind of mom who cares about bettering herself by spending this time, you're doing a good job. So there's this talk called Behold Thy Mother. It's it's a, a by Jeffrey R. Holland, one of the leaders in our church. But one of the things that he says, I love this at the end, he just says, to all 
of our mothers everywhere, past, present, or future, I say thank you. Thank you for giving birth, for shaping souls, for forming character, for demonstrating the pure love of Christ to Mother Eve, to Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, to Mary of Nazareth, and to Mother in Heaven, I say thank you for your crucial role in fulfilling the purpose of eternity. To all mothers in every circumstance, including those who struggle, and all will, I say be peaceful. Believe in God and yourself. You're doing better than you think you are. In fact, you are saviors on Mount Zion, and like the master you follow, your love never faileth. I can pay no higher tribute to anyone. Um, So I think that's just perfect how he puts that. And I think that just ties such a bow on everything regarding motherhood. So I've said this a lot of times before, but I'll say it one more time. Satan loves to complicate things, but God's ways are always simple. So if you just pare down to what you feel like Heavenly Father wants you to teach your kids, are you teaching them those things? Are you teaching them good things? Are you teaching them to be good people? Probably none of the rest of it matters. If you're PTA president or if your house is decorated perfectly or if they had an organic from scratch meal tonight or, you know, if they are on the high honor roll or whatever, like, yes, those things are great. And yes, there's value in trying to do things a better way wherever you can improve. But God's ways are always simple. And when we get to heaven, I don't think he's going to (laughs) scold us or ask us how many processed snacks our kids had, or if they watched an hour of TV or none, or he's going to care about their character. And did we teach them to love one another and love God? And those are the things that are really going to matter. So Satan loves to complicate things, including motherhood, but God's ways are always simple. So look at the simplicity of where you stand with God and if he's happy with you. And I would say that it's most likely a resounding yes. So give yourself a lot of grace and love. And I'm grateful for all the good mothers in this world too. Oh no, I have one last thing to say. I have one last thing to say. And it is, I love it when I'm around other women who just love to uplift other women and other mothers and you can evaluate also how you are interacting with other women and other mothers and are you being encouraging are you you know looking for the good and pointing that out and uplifting another mother there's opportunities to do that all the time and when i'm around women who do that genuinely it always makes me feel so good and so Be that person. Look for the good things that your friends are not seeing within themselves and give them those compliments and help them to see how much good they're doing because we all need that. We all need those reminders of, hey, you're doing an amazing job in this regard and on in this talent or in this gift that you give your children. We all need that. So be kind to yourself, be kind to the other mothers around you and I hope you have a very wonderful, happy Mother's Day. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. 
And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh,